Welcome. To Arcade Audio. It's hard to find a movie that way. Lucky for you, we found a few. It's Queer Movie Night. Hi! Oh my fucking god, this works, whatever. Welcome to Queer Movie Movie Night. I'm Deb. I'm Peyton. Um, And today we have a very special guest, Caleb. How are you? I'm so good. Um, you know, I am absolutely in my 20s, living and loving. I am. I'm dancing. I'm singing. I'm eating amazing food. How are you guys? I mean, s- same. Yes. That's how. I, I that's how I respond to everybody same. now. When a barista, when a barista asks me at a coffee shop, "How are you today?" I say that that what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> you have it written down. You've written down a memorized. I'm in the prime um, of my life, girl. I don't know about you, but I'm dancing, I'm eating, I'm singing. <laughs> I really am doing that all the time with my wife. And I really love her. And we spend a lot of time together. And I still love doing that every day. Ugh, Deb, oh, yeah. stop. Deb, stop. That is so I'm never going cool. to. Okay, something re- of that. It, is, it defines my personality how much people love me and my wife. So I'm just going to oh. dig it in. <laughs> Well, you know what I will say about about you guys is everybody, you guys have a very rare situation where, and I hope you don't take it for granted. Where <laughs> people, and I hope you're enjoying everything. And I hope second. you know what you have. Where people love you two as a unit, so rare for a couple, so hard to achieve universally, <laughs> but then love each of you also as people. This is not done often, Deb. This is not seen often. Thank you. I'm, I I feel like it's taken work, you know? It's we're yeah. not really. We're likable, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so easy, actually, when I really. It's actually. But I do. But we do. And that's the thing that makes me feel good about it is that we really do love each other. It's not like a fake thing where then we close the door and we're at each other's throats. I yeah. really don't want to spend time with anybody else more than I. More than Kay, you know? Oh, well, do you know? <laughs> You guys promise me, you know, yeah, it makes me feel hopeful because my, you know, I feel like I've been out, I have been an out gay man for seven years now. And that during that entire time and to this day, maybe even more now than when I started, my theory is that gay men should go to jail. I am so tired (laughs) trying to date gay men. It is jail, then prison, hold in jail. And then there's a trial where I'm in charge. And then I decide that they go to prison. And then electric chair. And then electric chair. And I run the chair. And it's not humane at all. Yeah, it's it's an issue what's going on with gay men. But I have hope. I have hope that someday I can be a lesbian instead. Oh, we welcome you with open arms, babe. Thank you. <laughs> That's so cute. Oh, it's not gonna happen. But I love that for you. <laughs> um, how uh, how have you been doing, Caleb? I haven't seen you since. I feel like Deb's Christmas party, like 
a year and a half ago or something. Oh my gosh. A year and a half. It feels like it was at least three years ago. Oh, sad. Right? Was it was it 2019 that that, that we did that or was it 2018? I don't know. You know what? No clue. I don't know either, but that was a that was a really fun party. I remember it vividly. Um I'm good. I I lived in Chicago when that party happened. Um, yes. Thank God. And it would have been crazy <laughs> if I traveled in. Um, and um, yeah, I, I moved to LA during the pandemic, which was, um, you know, a brilliant decision, mate. And um, it's been cool. I like I like LA. It's fun. Um, Chicago's best city on earth. I didn't. I wasn't really excited to leave, but I'm. I've, um, you know, I've liked it everywhere I've ever lived. I think it's really about who you spend time with. Um, <clears throat> but I'm excited. LA is, LA is cool. I'm, I'm getting to know it. But that's what I'm up to, babe. How are you guys? Nice. Ooh. Well, what do you? I, hmm. I can't imagine living in LA. But I think once I got there, I would absolutely love it. Have you? I, I can't think i'm struggling right now because i'm like i don't know what to do and i was telling them that our landlord's selling our building so we've gone back and (laughs) forth of like do we move like during the pandemic we talked about moving somewhere different like once a fucking month like i don't know we can move back to our hometown where we'd be scared to hold each other's hands at our local grocery store (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and that can be beautiful in some ways yeah Yeah, justifying it like we could yeah i'm just panicking all the time i think we decided to stay in chicago because we really love chicago but you know i think chicago we talked about moving to paris Paris? Yes, Paris. She was going to study culinary. Like, she was going to go to culinary. Yes. She's an amazing cook. And I was like, and I'll, um, be I'll, there. I'll, I'll, I'll fucking You'll be, I'll be there. <laughs> well, that's just. I'll eat a baguette. You could be like yeah. an ambassador. Like, um, like, um, what's her name's husband? The, the. Julia Childs. Her husband was like an ambassador oh. while she was learning. He was like a government ambassador. Oh, yes. He, Stanley Tucci. Yes. The Tucci, the big Tucci man. <laughs> big Tucci man on campus. Um, you know, my thought about moving from Chicago was that I did not, I don't, I don't think I got to spend, um, I would have liked to spend more time in Chicago. It made sense for uh, work, but my thought also was that LA is something really new and it's the weather is beautiful and there's a ton of restaurants I haven't tried and you know i had like i made like amazing friends in chicago and um created a family there and so i feel like well if i don't go to la there's a there's a version of that that i'm missing out on and so i just kind of felt like if i got like super canceled and never got to work again as soon as i moved that i would still be happy to have tried the life part of it and so i think and you can always come home you can always come home. And also, I am trying to, I think a lot of people are thinking about just like, you know, comedy stuff as as the world reopens. And the thing that I'm trying to like, my little piece of all of those conversations when people ask me is just like, try to think also about the life stuff. And like, would you be excited to to go and meet new people and try new restaurants and, and have new experiences aside from work about the move? And if the answer is yes, then, it, then if the work doesn't go the way you want it to, then it's okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'm having fun. I, I really like it. I'm getting to know the city. Like I said, we moved. Shelby uh, Wolstein, brilliant comedian. You guys know her. Um, we moved uh, in June to to North Hollywood. And then we moved again in December to um, a new place in, in Boyle Heights because we wanted a little bit more space because it um, looked like we were going to be locked indoors for a, a bit longer. So 
we got a, a different place with a yard and stuff, but I like oh, it. A yard. It's lux. It's a luxury to have a little bit, a little bit of yard in LA. <laughs> is that where you dance? That's where we dance. We have actually Shelby is such a Shelby is such a um like builder. Like she she she's I like I literally just I run around the house. I'm the little gay man in the house, and I say <laughs> I say a shelf over there, and Shelby does it, and it's incredible. <laughs> or you know I buy I buy like uh, I bought a treadmill for my office, and I say the treadmill together now, and Shelby puts it. You know she. <laughs> She runs in in a little uh, coveralls with a little uh, toolbox and, you know, she gets after it and I sit back and fan her with a big leaf and then, um, but she is, she's going to build us. We have this patio in our backyard that's under like, we have like a, a pergola over it with like lights. Our landlord did all this. Um, it already Ooh. existed, but we, she's going to build a big, long, like, outdoor dining table for out there with like a benches on either side and you guys you guys have to come and dine with us because it is when the sun when it when that's when the sun is setting and you're on that patio (laughs) it is so beautiful i can't wait that is like porn to me everything you just said that is porno that is porno porno pornography yeah (laughs) yeah porno porno in some ways oh my god (laughs) i want one of those just that everything you just described is so ideal oh i want it i want it it. um i whine from my apartment my pretty nice beautiful apartment in chicago yeah you have a great apartment (laughs) (laughs) a great situation a wife and a dog all all i ever want is like i'm realizing like i do not want to work i do not want to um i do not want to maintain my life i do not wish to exercise i do not wish to um i do not wish to uh, keep up with anybody all i want to do is uh think of six friends in any given moment i want to my head in my head in any given moment i want to say Think of six friends, and then immediately we, um, uh, after I think of them, immediately we arrive at a table together at sunset, and um, good music is playing, and then we have a meal, and we talk, and we laugh, and then I go to sleep, and then I wake up and do it again, and that is all I wish for my life. I do not wish to commute. (laughs) I do not wish to um, do anything that is unpleasant. Uh, that's the dream. That's beautiful. That's genuinely a beautiful dream. Isn't it beautiful? To, it's, it's fucking not, me up. My hands are on my heart. Oh my god, my hands are on my heart, darling. You said something gorgeous to me. <laughs> that's the dream, though. That's the dream. Truly, truly. Uh, Sometimes you got to file your taxes. I don't know. It, it doesn't always <laughs> go the way you want. Not this year. um so i guess we'll get started um thank you so much for coming on to the show caleb this movie that we're covering uh today that caleb's brought us um is called a single man from 2009 Mm. which is a little over 10 years ago which is crazy um when i graduated high school congratulations oh me too me too thank you we're almost 30 I am I am 30 because my mom put me in school late because she never wanted me to be the baby in the class, which I feel like I was robbed of. But um, yeah, you would have killed that. I'm so sorry. You didn't get that. <laughs> you would have you would have ate that bitch. I'm so sorry. You didn't get that. <laughs> Instead, I 
tried to be the friend with a car in high school. So I guess. Oh, but we all had fine. one and they were so important. in our They were lives. crucial. <laughs> you were a crucial part of people's journey. But I was mm-hmm. just talking to my boyfriend about it because I was like, I was literally the friend that people like left places as a joke until I got a car. And then they were like, oh, we have to stay because he'll drive us home. <laughs> you know how you know how there's those asshole friends who are just like oh we're gonna leave while they're in the bathroom so that they think we're gone those were my friends yeah <laughs> like every time a, a lot of times i don't fuck with that i, I wish i wish for you to have you know i, I actually was just thinking i'm sorry to get off track because i know we no, are no, going no. to talk about the movie oh but no I was, we always get off track go ahead I was just thinking last night, and and it, it relates to that very specifically. I feel like maybe there was a, a phase of my life, like maybe like um, late college, like late college or like early Chicago, maybe where I don't know. I guess I don't recall if I ever found this funny. I'm trying to give uh, the the being mean to your friends as a joke thing, uh, like the constant negativity and like ragging on each other. I don't know if I ever fucked with that. Like I guess I'll, I'll, I'm. Definitely, I could have, I guess. I, I, but I, I don't get it anymore. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. If I ever did get it, I don't now. I don't think it's funny. Like when someone tries to, bond, it happens to me a lot online. When someone tries to bond with me because, uh, like they think, oh, this is a funny person. They want me to joke around with them all the time, and then their their funny thing is to say something really mean to me. I'm like. I don't like that. That makes me have a bad time. Actually, I don't. I don't. Or like, yeah. Or like jokes that are like jokes that are like just like explicitly mean something like that. I'd be like, let's leave, let's leave and make them think they're all alone. It's like, what yeah. is the joke that I'm alone in the world? <laughs> because bitch, I know. Because I don't like that. <laughs> that sucks. That makes me feel. I, I don't know if you're gonna believe this or not, but that makes me feel pretty alone in the world. So. <laughs> That is That's mean so though. And it is a weird bit that should should have ended a long time ago. But that is a thing people do commonly. Yeah. yeah. That, I don't know. <laughs> Just in general though, the yeah, I don't have time for that. If there's one yeah. thing that that I have learned about myself in this year of like realigning how I live my life, it's cutting out people that I don't give a fuck about. Yeah. And I realized that with <laughs> like now in our life we ba- I basically had a hundred acquaintances that I saw like yeah. nightly and i do miss that to an extent yeah. i miss that to an extent i mean i miss walking you into a bar and knowing like i'm can hang out with it well everybody knows your name <laughs> yes and but... they're always glad you came i love that I mean... <laughs> uh, i don't remember what i was saying oh but just i I want to see the six friends that you say, like that you just want to invite over to dinner at sunset and listen to your top five. That's all I want now. Yes. My top eight. Your top eight. Those caused problems back in the day. That was problematic. I always sat in like the fourth spot. The fact that I remember that means that I put a lot of stock into it and paid attention to it a lot. I love that. Always the fourth for people. But yeah, I just like, don't have time for that shit anymore. If anybody treats you like shit, cut them out. If, you, yeah. if you're friends with somebody because it's situational and you have been for a really long time, but they don't, they don't do, do anything for each other anymore, you're not good friends, they're not a good friend to you, cut them out. Yeah. I also Am I sounding mean? No, no, not at all. You're sounding very healthy. And I think that <laughs> I also have had a very specific type of that friendship where like, 
there are certain people that I just want to be friends with because I, I think like, oh, this person is so funny. They're, they're liked by so many people that I also like. And, and mm-hmm. like, I, I, I think they're so talented and interesting. And I, that's a, a big draw for me is I think, oh, they're very interesting. They've lived an interesting life. But the, there, there have been a very specific group of those people who um, in my life have been like dead, like, dead set on misunderstanding me and like making like anything I do, like, uh, feel like not what I meant. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. will like, um, turn my most of my actions into something like, um, I'm trying to think of, I don't want to get into specifics, but I'm trying to think of like, like I will, um, like I will be like, um, Oh, I don't really want to go there for dinner. Let's go somewhere else. And this type of friend will be like, Oh God, Caleb being a diva about dinner. Don't we all know this one? And I'm like, no, that's not like, and, and that kind of stuff over again where I'm like, that's not my intention. That's not who I am. I don't like that joke. And I have had to, uh, like start getting better in the last like year or two of my life about being like either, like, first of all, trying conflict with like trying to be like, Mm -hmm. I don't like that. Or, just being like, yeah, what, what you were saying, Deb, about like, okay, well, I'm just probably not going to spend time with you anymore because that's not fun, you know? Like yeah. That, well, okay. um, we also don't have is, time for that anymore. We don't have time for that anymore. Also, for anybody listening, um, I, I hope that the listeners don't think that um, this isn't funny because we're going really deep on how to protect your um, peace and sanity. This is actually extremely funny what we're talking about right now. <laughs> Just so you guys know, this is all like very high level comedy. Talking about how you protect your peace and take care of yourself is like very in right now, comedically. It's particularly funny because I don't think we've ever talked at this length about something on this podcast that we've had for years now. (laughs) You guys are like, you guys are like, you guys are like, yeah, usually we just kind of get into the movie, but Caleb really wanted to talk about. How you manage relationships. <laughs> That's not true. I'm kind of hot on it too, though. I, I came into this recording today kind of with a She had something to say. Yeah. I'm just chasing threads. She came Look, in with guys, an agenda. I'm chasing threads. If you guys bring up jelly beans in a second, I'll do 15 on jelly beans. I'll do 15 on JBs. I don't give a freak. But right now, we're talking about oh, so your inner circle and how you... <laughs> And how you protect your heart in a world that is intent on not allowing you to. In the risk of going on another tangent while we're talking about jelly beans. (laughs) Thank you. And and we are talking about jelly beans, by the way. When they had the Harry Potter jelly beans and there was one that was flavored booger, who decided like what boogers would taste like? And like, what is, I don't even know. (laughs) Scientists. People taste boogers, right? Surely a scientist tasted a booger. Yeah. But didn't, but. In the name of science. I don't know because I don't like jelly beans, but did the jelly bean actually taste like boogers? I think jelly beans are trash. So. I really like the anybody who likes jelly beans. Sorry if you like them, Caleb. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Caleb's going to have to cut you out of his life now. Well. Some, something interesting about um let's talk about the movie let's talk about the movie i because now i'm because now i'm pissed off um <laughs> no i'm kidding i actually there's only like two jelly beans i like and one of the and this is such a dumb bitch thing to say i fucking hate myself for even saying this but one of the only jelly bean flavors i like actually is the the popcorn flavored one do you guys know what i'm talking oh, about yeah. okay. it's like not even the point of jelly beans like you're supposed to like jelly beans for and i also had to I, I did have to fall off with jelly belly jelly beans specifically but when i found out that ronald reagan was a stan um, <gasps> that did have to change things for me with the that brand 
<laughs> so I did have to go ahead and fall off with them. <laughs> so All we right. usually start with two questions. I'm just going to throw them out there. Um, one, Caleb, what is your general experience with queer queer films? Like, how did you um, uh, get get into them, or, or see what is your general experience with them? And then the second question is, what is your experience with this movie, and why did you choose it for the podcast? Um, my experience with queer films in general, I guess I would say that. I guess a lot of my experiences with films to begin with were not queer films, but queer readings of films. Like I would definitely watch a lot of movies growing up that I don't even remember the first queer movie I watched. Maybe like, Oh gosh. Yeah. I can't, I can't even Um, like, it doesn't even, I mean, I must've been late high school, like college. Like I feel like it was not, um, but I was watching like every movie I watched. I feel like there was a very queer lens on it because I was watching a lot of movies with women. I was watching a lot of, I grew up, my mom raised me by herself. So I was watching a lot of the stuff she loved. And so a lot of Julia Roberts movies, a lot of Sandra Bullock, um, Mm. you know, a lot of Viola Davis, like, just women, like women and women in film, baby. And, um, you know, I was watching like, uh, like my mom, we watched, uh, gosh, when I was in like maybe middle school or high school, uh, murder by numbers with Sandra Bullock and, and Ryan Gosling. And I remember there's like this, like, I don't know, seven second sex scene where, where, uh, Ryan Gosling has sex with some girl. And to me, watching that was very a very queer experience i was like oh my god like <laughs> I, I i immediately that night after my mom went to bed like got on our desktop computer and uh googled like brian gosling sex scene murder by numbers it's like seven <laughs> seconds long like it's not even and i replayed it over and over and I was like, Incredible. <laughs> yes yes um, so i feel like a lot of my experience with queerness in film was definitely me sort of taking on the place uh, mentally and emotionally or the point of view of the straight women in the movies that we were watching and being like, Oh, I just, I'll just pretend that, that I get to be in that relationship mm. with a, with a man. Um, but that's God. such a, that's such a good thing to talk about too, because that's like so many queer people's experiences growing up where we're not seeing queer films in general. So we have to sort of substitute for them in general, regular cinema. Yeah, you have to project a lot. And it yeah. also, it, it makes everything even more, the, the problem with not having representation is that it makes everything take longer and be more confusing. So I, my journey with coming out was so difficult because of this, I think, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but um, because I was like, well, am, am, I, am I transgender? Do I think I'm a woman? Because I, mm-hmm. I want to be women so badly in these, in these movies or... I, or, or, or am I super feminine? So everything that every time I do something masculine or my friendships with, uh, my friendships with men that, that have masculine like themes or experiences, is that all me lying to people? Like it, it, it really confuses, um, the idea of like, or even when you do see gay people in movies, I mean, even still, like a lot of the stuff I get sent out for now is, uh, like there are roles for fat guys that are like, bring that toolbox over here and let me see if I can't do something about this broken truck you got, little miss. Or 
Or they're like roles for gay guys that are like, I'm going to, don't worry, I'm on it. God, my boss is such a bitch. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it, there, there really are no. Every role I've ever played. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like twinkie, like little twink bitch gay assistant. Yeah. Or it's like, so they would be breaking, either way they're breaking the mold. Because yeah. to cast me, a gay man, as like this burly um, uh, man's man is br- breaking the idea of what they wanted to cast. And to cast uh, a fat person in the like, uh, little office twink who like is super into fashion and is, is kind of a bitch, but people love him for it. It's like, they don't ever envision that being a fat person because they don't view fat people as being fashionable or a lot of times smart. So, you know, it's just, it's like the problem with representation is far and wide, obviously, but one of them certainly is how much it confuses you around like, well, wait, who am I? Do I get to be masculine? If I'm gay, do I get to be sometimes masculine and sometimes feminine? Do, um, do I get to be, do I get to have male friends? Like I, it's just very confusing, you know? Woof. <laughs> Deb, Deb said, this podcast is supposed to be fun, Caleb. <laughs> no, not, no, not another rant. No, uh, no, no that's great. actually, but this is, but this we is all. We always get into this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, I say that because you just touch on a lot of things that I, that are really true that people don't talk about often enough, I think. And that we certainly haven't talked about in a minute, but fuck yeah! If there's if there, uh, everything's fucked. Yeah. Everything's fucked. Yeah. I mean, things are better. Things are gradually getting better. They happen over slowly over the years. Where representation is getting broader, it's, things are being made more often. But like when you when you put it like that, it's so clear how much work there still is to do. Like we're nowhere yeah. near. Like well, and also I think. I think part of the problem is like, not part of the problem, but part of the situation is that um, we're getting better content just because there's more creators and there's more people who are able to create now, um, as opposed to like that in in other times, um, people, white, straight men were the only ones who were making things. Um, and so those white straight men are still out there and they're, they're probably the one they're still making that kind of content, but now there's more, um, there's just more content in general. So I guess that we're getting progress there, I guess. Yeah. I think if that makes sense. It does. Mm -hmm. And I think also there's something interesting to me about conversations around like representation and telling stories that haven't been told before is that I don't think it's going to I think it's going to solve one problem, but maybe not the problem that a lot of people think. Like, I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. talk about representation and go, okay, well, if I make, um, if I, a studio executive, make a a show or greenlight a show about queerness that is super robust and uh, genuine and tells queer stories in a way that they haven't been told before, um, well, God, that could change people's minds about what it means to be queer that don't uh, currently understand or like queer people. I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's going to happen. I think because of what you said, Peyton, with I think media is getting very nichified and with the different streamers and everyone breaking off and getting their own platform, no one in uh, rural Kansas is watching work in progress on Showtime for the most part, unless mm-hmm. they are queer or deeply have a love for queer mm-hmm. people. And that sucks because they should be because they would learn so much and they would, well, most importantly, they would laugh and love it. But like, I do think that representation is more um, solving the problem of people who needed to see it and would seek it out, mm-hmm. seeing it and, and after seeking it out and, and then feeling like, oh, 
now I can go out into the world and be more myself because I saw this. I think that's more of the, what representation is addressing, but that's such a great point. Yeah. That's so good. But Um, all of that is to say, you know, my first queer experiences with movies were definitely watching um, Julia Roberts movies and saying, well, okay, I'm Julia. (laughs) Tag yourself. Tag yourself. I'm Julia. Julia. (laughs) I would say I'm a Drew. I'm a Drew Barrymore. You are very much a Drew Barrymore. Thank you. You are, babe. You are. Oh, I love that. I was Uh, a big Sandy Bullock person growing up. You have Sandy Bullock energy. You do. Sandy, (laughs) Miss Congeniality. But also, I Uh, love Sandra Bullock as much as I loved Molly Shannon as a child. uh, At the same time. I was like, Miss Congeniality and Superstar made me the little freak that I am. And then throw in some Melissa McCarthy in the later days and... It's kind of funny you said that you, because you originally said Sandra Bullock, and I'm like, I see that for Deb. And then you said Molly Shannon, and I'm like, right. So there's the the more comedic aspect of it. Though Sandra Bullock is very funny. Because um, originally I was like, you know who I could see for Deb? Cameron Diaz. She's very um, like, yes. to be like, to be like, because she's very funny right? and like, yeah. and, and goofy, but also like, yeah, can kind of like, uh, like, I feel like, Deb, if you wanted to, you could really like, um, like Cameron Diaz can kind of give it to people. Like she can dish it out. You know what I mean? Like she's she's got a little bit of a you know she's a she's a firecracker. I can be spicy. I love Cameron Diaz. She's a spitfire. Yeah. Oh my god, The Holiday is one of my favorite movies of all time. Which is ironically, oh, so I think her worst acting performance of her <laughs> <Yeah>. entire career. <laughs> but oh, I love Cameron. it. But she's still lovable because she's Cameron. You know. Yeah. Now she just makes wine and she's married her. to Benji Madden. She's staying out of it, which I yeah. really respect. She's staying out of it. capital <laughs> yes. I. She's staying out of it, babe. She's out of it. Cameron Diaz That's is the queen she's of out, this of moment of staying out of it. Tm. Tm. Our <laughs> tiny tiny R in a tiny circle. She's out of it, babe. <laughs> Couldn't be in it. And she's so far out of it. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Thank um, you. <laughs> thank you. A very seri- a very real serious thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And, and just so you know, thank listeners, you. Deb is crying. <laughs> Deb, is, Deb is weeping on the pod. <laughs> Peyton just messaged. Peyton just messaged the chat and said, "What does it say? Uh, why didn't you say that for me, Caleb?" Okay, well, let's just move on. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. This is turning into something it wasn't supposed to be. Um, moving on to the second question. Um, what was your? When did you first uh, experience this movie, A Single Man? And and what was so special about it that you wanted to bring it to us today? Okay, so actually, I watched this for the first time during, say it with me, quarantine. quarantine. Wow. And um, I had never even heard of it. And I watched it, actually, because I love uh, Julianne Moore. And yes. I was like, Julianne Moore's in this. Incredible. I don't really know much about Colin Firth um, or anyone else that I saw in it. But um, I was like, okay, Julianne Moore. Turns out to be, she turns out to be not a massive part of it. But Colin Firth has... A very important part, I would say. A very important part. Very crucial. And Colin Firth has an amazing performance in it. I think the reason it spoke to me so much, uh, and I was like, uh, put it on really like my list of like queer movies, is because it... I I feel like it it was... Like, it's really about this guy struggling with losing the love of his life. And I just was like... I thought for uh, an older, I love seeing elder queers. I love seeing older gay people. I, I hate that it has to be through 
Um, I don't hate it as much as other people. I hate that for this character, it had to be through a lens of trauma that we had to experience his his story through trauma and we didn't get to see him happy and growing old with his partner and like truly making it. But I'm like, also, trauma's interesting. That is what makes a film like, that. that's what makes a lot of movies, like, I don't know, when people rail against um, queer trauma stories, I'm like, I don't know. It, it's, kind of, it's, first of all, a huge part of our experience. <laughs> like trauma mm-hmm. is the queer experience. And also it's like, yeah, I don't I don't really know how you make a movie about um any characters just being like everything's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like going to go to the grocery store later, might see some friends. It's like yeah, that's not a concept. That's um that's just a nice day. So I well, and I, I think it, liked it. Yeah. And I think it makes speaking about queer trauma and in film and and that in the media, I think it, it makes a huge difference that um Tom Ford, the director, is a queer person. Mm-hmm. He So we're getting this queer story from a queer person um, based off of a book by another queer person. Um, and the the focus is on the character. The, the trauma comes from a real place and it's not some sort of like... I think, I think the problem with queer trauma in a lot of older films especially is that it... Um, that thematically uh, queer characters are seemingly punished for being queer. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. and, and in this film, um, it, it's definitely, um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So in older films, it sort of dehumanizes the queer people, but obviously yeah. the trauma and and the human experience in this film very much humanizes uh, Colin Firth's character. Um which makes a huge difference. And I think to that, to that p- point, Peyton, that's brilliant. And I agree that I think the, the, like the knife, the knife of trauma, like the, the weapon of trauma in a lot of the older uh, media that people have problems with is kind of wielded by uh, straight people and outsiders. And it's pointed back at us. Whereas like th- this trauma, like you're saying is for us by us. It's very like um, it's, it's trauma that isn't, um, Oh, they're getting their ass kicked for being gay by a straight guy at a bar. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna die from AIDS because uh, the government isn't taking care of them. It's it's also kind of a universal story of trauma where it's like this is ultimately at its core about a man who uh, is just experiencing like devastating heartbreak, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is universal. I mean, it's I, I think heartbreak is more queer than not, but it's technically <laughs> other people experience it. You know? But they're just sort of stealing our thing. So, oh, I heartbreak and unrequited love and heartbreak are so queer coded. I'm like, if a yeah, straight person goes yeah. through it, they're having a queer experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> having your heart broken is a queer experience. Well, exactly. I mean, that's the, the those are the stories talking going back. To representation and finding yourself in stories that those unrequited love stories are what I always related to even in straight films like when oh, I was younger babe. like like I mean find you a musical theater gay who whose icon is an eponine from Les Mis you can you can do it <laughs> you always do it. <laughs> always everyone pause the podcast <laughs> no unrequited love is so queer because and i think for for many reasons not only because of the like um not being out of it all and being like mm-hmm. oh, how am i gonna bring this up but also just um there are so many more straight people than queer people mm-hmm. um 
that not I mean not for long, but there are so many more straight people <laughs> historically That's, than queer people. I wish this was a video so people could have seen that. Face. I mean, not for a very um, very like uh, the Grinch cheeks turned up yeah. with excitement to rob the village. You know? very, but not for long. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I think um, so naturally we queer people just develop crushes on people we can't have yeah. because yeah. Um, straightness is more prevalent. So yeah, unrequited love, we own that, which is the worst kind of heartbreak, which means that we also own that. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like every queer person has, has had a personal experience with unrequited love. Like mm-hmm. be it from when we were kids or teenagers to adults, like every queer person I know has had something like this. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, except for my wife. Did you ever have any? I don't know. I was kind of um, the eye-opening experience. You were the one. You were the one. <laughs> yeah. And I love that for you so much. And I love that for you. <laughs> but it's true. But it's true. I mean, like, everybody has had one. It just, fuck. When I hear unrequited love, I just assume it's gay. <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly the oh point. Oh, my God, I'm, yes. When it's in a summary of a movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, so it's gay. coded as their yeah. gay characters. <laughs> yeah. It also, that when is it says such a, love, I'm like, okay, there's gay people in this. Okay. Like, I'm going to see some hot outfits. Uh, <laughs> I also, when I hear the phrase unrequited love, it, uh, uh hurts me. Like I, like when, when someone's like, <laughs> like when someone just says unrequited love, I'm like, I, I, I literally in, internally, I go, Oh no! You know, like, I, like, like I get so I, I feel like I, I'm I'm getting like a diagnosis from like the 1800s, like I have scarlet fever or something. I'm like, oh, why me? Like I hate hearing it so much. It's horrible, but the movie is beautiful. That's the ultimate point. And Tom yeah. Ford directing. Uh, Tom directorial Ford. debut directorial debut fashion icon Tom Ford. I, know, I saw the director and I was like, he does movies. He does food. Um, and it was beautiful. It was such yeah, a beautiful movie. This is a gorgeous movie. film. Yeah, for sure. It's so good. Just visually I, I watched everything. it. Uh, Peyton and I were talking that we watched it when it first came out. But I mean, it didn't stick with me at that time when you're like 18, 19. And you're watching yeah. this level of, <laughs> of like a very deep, dramatic film, like Oscar nominated film. It just mm-hmm. doesn't stick or hit the way that it did now when I watched it. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like I remember watching it and I was like excited because it was at the time, I guess I was around the same age as you are. Um, and and being like, oh, that's cool. Like Colin Firth is going to be gay in this movie. And then, yeah, I just sort of felt like watching it then I was like, OK, this is like a sad gay movie. Like I, I know what this is. But then revisiting it and watching it again, it is um it sticks with me a lot more and i really appreciate it and it's interesting because it it deals with a lot of really dark imagery but it mm. also um has a lot of hope in it um uh there's not a lot of plot to go uh to um to tell our listeners but basically um it follows colin first character whose uh life partner passes away in a car accident and then for most of the film uh colin firth is uh it, it seems like contemplating suicide and getting ready to kill himself. Um, and, and it sort of follows his experiences just interacting with the world and like really taking in everything before he, before he kills himself, which is a really 
it's very sad and dark, but it's also a very beautiful experience to see. And the way that Tom Ford shoots it and, and, and um, the framing and everything, it's really beautiful to see like what it is that catches this character's eye and, and, and um, what it, what are the little, the little pieces of life that he really enjoys. Um, and it's really, it's, <laughs> it feels kind of blasphemous to say this, but I don't care because it's also a queer experience, but it reminds me kind of like of the last holiday where Queen Latifah is like trying to do all of these wonderful things before she, cause she thinks she's going to die. Um, and so it's that same sort of idea of like, he's taking all of these sort of like final pleasures before he, he passes away. And I will. I love that that you just I referenced lo- the last holiday. <laughs> I love that because I love the last holiday. I love that so movie much. so much. I love the last holiday. Yes. That's and one of my favorite say, Christmas movies. <laughs> mine too. And I will say, there is a. I think there is a theme and a lesson in the last holiday. I have the listeners need to know that I have uh, absolutely unconsciously, uh, subconsciously picked up a pin to start make to start gesturing with while I'm talking right now. I picked up a writing utensil, did not really realize what I was doing until I started pointing it at other people on the pod. Um, I there is a similar okay, so I feel like one of the big lessons uh and and themes in uh last holiday is imagine how much life you could live if uh you thought your life was gonna end. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing for a single man. It's like he, there's a big spoiler I'm about to say. So you're going to want to turn off the pod for the next like 45 seconds if you don't want to hear this. <laughs> um, but he, 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 he very like methodically plans out like, okay, I'm going to kill myself. We think, I mean, he's writing letters to people. He's leaving money for the, for the maid. He's, he's, you know, he's uh, p- pulling out his best suit, all this stuff. And then he decides not to kill himself. We, we kind of learn because he throws the letters in the, the fire or whatever. Um, so you get the idea that, oh, he's not going to kill himself. He had a beautiful night with this uh, person. And maybe he's seeing like hope and joy in the world again for the first time in a while. And then he fucking dies, you think. Know. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, yeah. So, uh, so thank God he lived like he lived that little bit of life and like found that joy before it just happened anyway because it was going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think couldn't that's a believe thing. when that happened. By it the fucking, way, oh my god! It enraged is that me. what happens in the book? Do you know Peyton? Because I was like, I haven't read it, it but I'm assuming it probably does. I know it's like the poetic ending, but fuck if it's not fucking frustrating. Yeah, yeah. but also it is a beautiful, it is a beautiful um, a circle for the film because in the beginning uh, we see his partner pass die, and then he approaches him and and kisses him, and then we see the same. Uh, sort of picture reversed, um, yeah. which is really beautiful for the film. Yeah. Um, and I also love that, like, when it, in going back to this idea of like the way that queer people are represented in old films when it comes to trauma, is the queer person always dies alone. And in this in this story, he doesn't die alone. He dies having that partner, having that other person there for him, um, which is really beautiful. Yeah, I think what makes it sad, uh, it is so it is so I mean, it beautiful is sad. and artistic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that makes it the most sad to me is I feel less sad when someone dies in life and in media and they're ready to die. Like when mm, like when a very old yeah. person dies and you're like, Oh, they were in pain, like this feels this feels very relieving to them and, and to mm-hmm. the world. Um but he the the thing that makes it the most sad is not that he died or the way he died or anything. To me, what really breaks my heart about it and the way that Deb said that it's frustrating is that he had we know that he had just realized 
how badly he wants to live. Yeah. Yes. And so dying was not any kind of like relief. Uh, relief. Yeah. And I just mm. was like, oh, fuck that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I just wanted, I wanted him to have so much more joy. And I wanted him to have like the second chapter after his partner where he got to like um, experience life kind of all over again and have like a whole new, you know, like a truly just a whole new chapter, a whole new thing. Yeah. Yeah. True. But it is beautiful. I would have yeah. done. I would have done it the same way if I um, had thought of it. You know, what I yeah. Mean? Like, yeah. like if it had come to my mind and I had to choose, I would have been like, oh yeah, it's got to be that thing. You know. Yeah. Like as a as a as a viewer, I'm I'm devastated. But as as a artist, and if I had written it, I and I thought of it, I would be like, well, I I want him to live, but I have to end it like this because yeah. it just makes sense. Um, there's a uh, this movie has a really great uh, pretty stacked cast oh my god took the words out of my mouth i was gonna say also <laughs> the cast is so stacked and hot hot cast. And hot. hot i love hot. i forgot matthew good um i love he's him one so those, much he's one of those uh that sort of brings up something else i want to talk about but um we can talk about it in a minute but um uh matthew good um i f- forgot that Jennifer good Goodwin was in this. Is it Jennifer like or Jennifer? Or Jennifer, Jennifer? I don't know. Jennifer. I don't know why I said Jennifer. <laughs> to me, it will always be Jennifer. Jennifer? <laughs> to me, it's Jennifer. And to me, it will always Wait, be Jennifer. <laughs> to me, it is Jennifer. <laughs> I love Jennifer. I love Jennifer Judwin. <laughs> I'm sorry for the pile on Peyton, but is, uh, that is the funniest thing I've <laughs> Remember when I thought? Remember when I thought Daniel Craig was Liam Neeson? Or um, that was the hardest I've ever laughed. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the hardest I've Uh, ever laughed on the fucking podcast. Um, What was I gonna say? Jennifer Goodwin, yeah, Yeah. a little bit of a. She's so weird to me, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) What has nothing to do with anything? She wasn't really um, huge when this movie came out, but like, what a little. what a yeah. little cameo and Lee Pace in a very small role. Oh my god, and Lee Pace. Yeah, yeah. Heartthrob Lee Pace. Oh, I love oh. Lee Pace. I love Bisexual him from Miss Pettigrew. Uh, Miss Pettigrew lives for a day. Anyone else a fan of the Francis yes. McDormand, Amy Adams, yeah. British rom com? And Pushing Daisies. Oh, Pushing Daisies, yeah. And then you have Nicholas Holt as well, mm. who looks like a true baby. <laughs> a true twink. He looks like a true twink. True twink. <laughs> <laughs> they killed. They killed the twink cast. The twink casting department went off when they found it. <laughs> well, did you ever watch Skins, Deborah? He was on Skins. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I think um, I just watched. I don't know. If that was like, uh, the, and then the the U, they did a U.S. Skins and everything. I feel like I was watching the British Skins and Degrassi at the same time, but it was. One was really risque and one was really not. <laughs> and I kind of confused them a lot, That's even funny. though they're not on the same level. That's but. funny. Um, but the, but um, talking about Matthew Good um, reminds me, um, talking about representation, is this uh, film doesn't have, it's all straight actors playing gay people, uh, which is something that I just always feel like should be mentioned. Um, and I always, whenever I see Matthew Good, he plays queer characters a lot. And so I always am like, wait, is he gay? And then I always look it up and he's not. So that always, I'm always like, yeah. oh. Because he plays queer on the crown too. Yeah. And he's, and he's in. Um, Imagine me and you. Oh, he is. Yeah. But he's, he's the, the only, guy. but he's the <laughs> only likable 
leading male character ever in a lesbian movie that's ever been made. (laughs) Kayla made that point when we were watching him because we're in the middle of the crown. We're really deep on the crown right now. Um, And he's just so charming and so so lovable. He's so sweet in that movie, yeah. I love him so much and he's so tall. He's such a so yeah. tall. I'm always so saying that tall. about him. Tall. The height of it all. His his height <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I love him in The Crown as well. I watched all of The Crown over quarantine. Like It took me not much time it. at all. I need to watch it. Oh my God, we love it. We keep saying, I, wait, what do you say? Kayla, Kayla goes, I love my family in the Abbey. <laughs> this is not funny to anybody else besides us. <laughs> I'm always, I'm always with my family at the Abbey. Happy with my family at the Abbey. <laughs> I'm making eye contact with her, and I know that all of you are just staring, like very dead-eyed <laughs> into the. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rich, you can cut this part out. No. Put this out in post. No. No. <laughs> no. I will not allow it, listeners. If you are not hearing this, call me. <laughs> yeah that was a that was a moment that was very clear that we've been only with each other for over a year locked in our <laughs> i'm happy with my family in the, in the abbey. Abbey. At the abbey it's that weird i'm horrible at accents but I'm, uh love the love the crown 10 out of 10 would recommend but i did want to get to the biggest one the biggest reason that we all that I, when it comes to the stacked cast is Julianne. We got to circle back to her because she's yeah, too the reason that she's too Kayla important to the plot. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Big Julianne stands yeah. here. I mean, Big. she plays gay all and, the time too. And her, her character is from the UK, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I protested a- the Super Bowl like two years ago by having a <laughs> Julianne Moore bowl instead of a protest instead of a football. So we did you people, really like it was like it was like I mean not even protested. We just like I me and like <laughs> me, Gabby, uh Boyd, CG Farmer, um, I wanna say Hannah and Claire McDonald, and maybe one or two other people, like maybe Colin Rourke was there. Um mm-hmm. just a just a regular cast of of good good folks that you love. Um sure. We were like, we don't want to watch the Super Bowl, but we want to eat some trash ass food. So we made like <laughs> Rotel dip and like chicken and like Ooh. fucking, you know, we just w- made all the Super Bowl food. And then we watched um, The Kids Are All Right and Still Alice, I think. Um, instead still of Super Alice Bowl. of all of them? <laughs> I, think, I can't remember. Maybe we only got to The Kids Are All Right. Maybe, we, maybe I'm <laughs> m- making that up, but I think that was part of it. Um, oh, the movie where she gets Alzheimer's as a middle-aged yes, woman. Yes, Jeez. absolutely. And the kids, absolutely. both both extreme downers. The kids. I know the kids all right bums me the fuck out too. <laughs> I, Straight people okay. love the kids all right. They love it. And here, let me tell let Sorry. me tell you guys something. I have a problem with Julianne Moore Moore's characters in a similar problem in the kids are all right that I do in a single man, which is. I don't want her to want to fuck these dudes. I don't want her now for different reasons. Obviously in the kids are all right. It's because I want her to be faithful to her fucking wife, but, um, which I never care about with straight people, but with queer couples, I'm always like, be faithful. <laughs> Most straight yeah. couples, I'm like, Gee, you know, like, figure it out. Um, but in a single man, she wants to fuck him so bad. And I don't like it. I'm like, yeah. I-, I love her acting. I think it's a, I think it's a great and interesting uh, character choice, but I just, in terms of like watching it and wanting these people to be real people that exist in the world, I'm like, please don't want to fuck him. Please just be his yeah. friend. He yeah. needs mm-hmm. just a friend so fucking bad right now. Please do not be trying to jump his bones, Julianne. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, which she, she then tries the entire time. 
yeah. the whole time. And he's like grieving and he's like plotting his suicide. And she's like, please, a kiss, lover. And he's like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> a kiss, lover. <laughs> it's so disgusting. But she kills it. She does kill it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she does. It is, okay. and it's so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking in that scene where she's like, "Don't you ever wish you had a real relationship?" You're just like, "Julian, oh. why do I want to mm-hmm. stab you right now?" <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm livid. I could I'm, queer I icon could, Julianne Moore. What are you doing? <laughs> I could lift a fucking truck on yeah. adrenaline alone when I heard her say that. Yeah. I'm like, what is going on? I am become Hulk. I'm so fucking mad right now. That's a crazy that's a crazy thing to say, Lava. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. The horrible thing is how many people from that time period probably heard that. I mean, people yeah. probably still yeah, hear yeah. that to mm-hmm. this day. But that was probably a common thing. Like more common than we than we would hear it today of people mm-hmm. just like completely discounting queer relationships because they didn't understand them. Right. Like they were cool. I imagine, I imagine, especially there was probably a very, and I, I'm just saying this, anybody who was alive during that time, if you're listening and want to fucking drag me to hell for this, I would welcome it. Um, <laughs> but I imagine there was, as all, as there is with every social issue across time, there is a sect of progressive people who are technically okay with certain details of the issue, mm-hmm. but not with the full scope of the thing. And I'm sure there was a sect of progressive people during that time who were like, oh yeah, sex, free love, like fuck whoever you want. But when it comes to actually having a real and meaningful relationship, we're like, oh, well, gay people don't have that. You know, they were cool with the sex because sex was whatever to them, but the relationship of it, I think there were certainly people in my mind who were like, I draw the line. You know what I mean? Whether I realize it or not. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's still people like that today too. I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> I'm one of them. I think gay sex is, uh, you know, uh, uh, incredible. I love gay sex. But when you start talking about gay relationships, I say, now no, do something real. No. Have a, have a straight one. No, do something real. Do something real. Now make it, now make it legitimate. <laughs> and, that's, and that's ultimately beautiful, I think. Um. Um, I love the scene where he's talking to, um, the little girl from across the street and she says how, uh, her dad calls him light in the loafers and she thinks that her brother is light in the loafers. It's just such, um, I don't know. There's something about like this idea, idea of like who is really paying attention to things and, and who is sort of like has their own idea. So like, I really like this idea that Colin first character is really starting to pay attention to things because he's valuing life so much more because he's going to end his life. And then you see that like everybody else, like going back to like Julianne Moore and, and everyone else in his life, they're missing out on these things because they have this preconceived idea of like how things should be. But then there's this child who can see everything so clearly because she isn't held back by like her preconceived notions and and things like that. So that's just a really beautiful moment for me in the, in the movie as well. Yeah, that's That's gorgeous. It is. And I think there's also a nice, um, there's a really nice, like queer lesson in that, that I think a lot Mm -hmm. of us learned, which is um, 
God, it feels really bad when adults in your life uh, say horrible shit about queer people not knowing that they are literally insulting you to your face. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember very vividly hanging out at a a friend's house once in middle school, and uh, his dad, who I really like, I really liked his dad. His dad was always really fun to be around, um, decided to make some joke about Justin Bieber being gay. And I was like, uh, really taken aback by it. And I was like, he was, it was like, I think we were playing a Justin Bieber song and his dad was like, that's what, how it came about. And then his dad was like, oh, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear a, a gay 14 year old sing about love, turn that off. And I was like, oh, well, I, you absolutely would not like me if you knew, you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, yeah. And he thought he was just talking about Justin Bieber, but that to me in the mood, the, I feel like that's a big lesson that queer people learn at some point in life is like, oh, you really learn how people feel about you when they're talking about um, other, other people. people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And it's not fun. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. Now. It's not fun. Oh. It's not fun. Oh. It's not fun. Oh. It's not fun. Oh. Come on. If y'all know the words, nobody in the house is not safe tonight. I'm not at the altar. Uh, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um. How do we feel about um, the the subplot with uh, Colin Firth and Nicholas Holt's character? Um, I feel like I had a different view of it the first time I watched it as opposed to the second time. What were the different views? Yeah, well, give us your views. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think the first time I watched it, I was very wary of it just because in uh because of the reputation of um queer people especially during the time of this film as being predatory towards younger men um and that sort of idea so i think that um sort of raised some red flags for me and and obviously like the first time i watched it i didn't have the 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 knowledge that I have now and the worldly experience. Um, and I think the second time around, I definitely um, appreciated it more for, um, I, I think I, I, I just noticed a lot more of the, the theme, the theming in the film and, um, and like how uh, Colin Firth was already older than his partner and had this sort of antiquated idea of like, well, of course you sleep with women when you're younger, everybody does. And like, um, and, and he sort of has this like old world, old world idea of like how people are supposed to be. Um, and then sort of getting this one from his partner and then from an even uh, younger person um, of Nicholas Holt's character, this um, ho- sort of hopeful idea of like, of, of what the future could be for queer people. Um, and I, I think that was a lot more evident to me um, the second time viewing it. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, I get really torn on this stuff too because I'm like, we... It's difficult because I don't know who to put the responsibility on. In, in, in media and in real life where I'm like, okay, if, if a young gay person, if a young gay man, we'll just say gay man, is seeking out an older gay man and wanting like mentorship and protection, I would hope that because we don't have that many queer elders compared to like other communities, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of us don't have many elders in our lives in general. I mean, I, I'm lucky to have my family is very cool with me, but a lot of people don't have that. 
Um, so it's like, if, if they wanted that, I would hope that the older person would not try to fuck them and would just like yeah. be there for them and protect them and, and, you know, help them. But I'm like, also, I don't think it's fair that if you're an older person and a consenting adult who happens to be 20 years younger than you, they're 25, you're 45, a consenting adult is hitting on you and trying to fuck you and you're attracted to them. Um, and they're not making it clear what they actually need or want because maybe they don't know, or they're not being upfront about it. I don't think it's fair to say, well, you should just never have sex with a 25 year old if you're 40. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm like, who do I put the responsibility on? Do I put it on the younger person to be clear about what they want and need? Or do I put it on the older person to, um, just like take all of their, um, sexual desire and all of their like desire for partnership and love and put it on the back burner just in case, you know? Mm. Um, but in this in the movie, I thought I thought it was fine. I didn't. I really liked it. I thought it was kind of beautiful. Um, I I thought that the reason I didn't have a problem with it probably was that um, George, Colin Firth's character was so not seeking it out, and yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Nicholas Holt's character was so the uh, pursuer mm-hmm. um, that I felt fine about it. But Deb, over to you. <laughs> I. Um, what if I just said no comment? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was like, that was like, I don't want to talk about that next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it did. I actually, I, it did make me feel a little bit weird just, but this is not an actual reason. I just thought Nicholas Holt, the actor looks very young. And I was like, I know that he's of age and that in everything you just said, completely agree. Yeah. And I think if they would have slept together, it wouldn't have been that bad because yeah. of all the reasons you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but he just looked so young to me. He looked I, I'm so on board with you about that, actually. I I, I am recalling now when you young. say that. Yeah. He is factually probably twenty one or twenty two. He looks like seventeen. And that yes. the look of it, the way they like um had his clothes hang off of him in a very mm. like juvenile way, the way they like did his hair and like yeah, they they made him look younger. And I do now that you say that I am recalling feeling like, oh, he doesn't look the age that he would have to be you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i guess yeah, it would I, I it would just be like a casting yeah. matter and it's a opinion, much but. it's a much different um it's a much different situation than say like call me by your name or something like that that's what where, i was thinking of yeah yeah <laughs> but um but i think and and i i agree with caleb too and i think that's why i felt differently on the second viewing of like it's obvious that the younger person is the the one that's instigating everything um and the one that is in not really control but is the one that's that's pushing towards that intimacy as opposed to the other way around um and also i i i also think it's not necessarily in this film it's not necessarily about that it's kind of just like two people sort of trying to learn something from each other and it's not necessarily um connected to to this um this other thing that it doesn't need to be Uh Yeah. yeah yeah and i think also the 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 backdrop of all of that has to be like consenting adulthood mm-hmm. like it has to be two consenting adults for the backdrop of whether or not age matters to even be a conversation obviously exactly but yeah i don't know i feel like a lot of times in these conversations um 
not even necessarily these conversations. I just feel like a lot of times when we talk about older people in general, older people are not supposed to have a sex drive. They're not supposed to uh, be like free, sexual, like full individuals. And I, it, it, a lot of times comes up in conversations where, like these where I will hear people say things like, ugh, if you're, if you're 37 and you're trying and you want to fuck a 29 year old, like what's wrong with you? Like don't, and it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a, attraction is about a lot more than that. Like it could, there are a lot of things you can be attracted to, to about someone that are not those things. And also like, even if you're 60, 70, 80, 90, like people are sexual beings. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird the way that old people get reduced on truly every level, sexual, yeah. mental. It, it's strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, it's often played for like com- comedy too, when older people are like sexual beings in like film and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not, it's not taken seriously. It's more, it's, it's, it's hilarious for, and disgusting. It's, yeah. It's hilarious and disgusting or it's creepy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which, I think I'm particularly sensitive to as a fat person because same mm-hmm. like yeah. fat, fat sexuality That's is so often true. like, oh, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be wouldn't it be funny and make everyone throw up to death if a fat mm-hmm. person wanted to have sex? And it's like <laughs> it's like I got news, babe. Well, fat people fuck. You know, I don't know. <laughs> if it makes you throw up to death, I guess that's your own thing. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very common so it's a very common thing. Yeah, yeah. Um great. Yeah. Um are are there any other um, moments, uh, images, things that stick with you from this film before we start uh, wrapping up? The beach scene. I think yeah. them them Ooh, at the beach yeah. together was just like, I felt um, everything else aside, I just felt like, God, what a, what a joyful, like kind of euphoric, like beauty. I just feel like there are, you can, you can manufacture a lot of feelings in life, but you cannot manufacture, in my opinion, the kind of like pure uh, spontaneous like random excitement and thrill and joy that I felt like that scene um, portrayed um, I feel like it's such a rare feeling that's so hard to manufacture um, and like create in your life like it really does have to come from a place of like who fucking thought I would be doing this you know what I mean like this is this is insane this is I never I never thought when I woke up today that I would be doing this with uh, this person um, yeah that's that scene was really cool too. yeah yeah, that's. I also loved uh, the scene where he, I'm assuming, was with the the sex worker when he was buying cigarettes and gin. I, I was that just thinking about that. That scene was so visually beautiful, like the mm-hmm. orange color of the sunset up against that giant mural. Mm-hmm. That was, and that guy was like, the actor was stupidly handsome. Oh Fucked god, up. he's so sexy. <laughs> Fucked up and evil. How was he made? Yeah, Fucked up and evil in a factory. Liked. Yeah, he was made to factory. destroy that's, queer that's people. Um, <laughs> um, John, John Corda Herena is his name. He plays Carlos. Oh, got to be a model. Got to be a model. He is. Oh God, he's thirty-five now. So this. Oh was my God, that's he was so young. Um, he was a, he was a young one. He was twenty-three-ish, I guess. Anyway, wow. Anyway, um, um I also love that that scene because it's um it it's so like the communication in that scene is so visual between the two of them um and it and it's um really telling of like how queer people uh communicate uh through visual cues as opposed to like when they couldn't speak out loud and be like mm-hmm. hey you're hot that sort of thing um and so that scene is really um 
interesting to me in that way. Um, and I really like that part of it. Um, and just, yeah, visually in general, this film is beautiful, which makes sense because it was just, it was directed by a designer. Um, but um, it's just like, it's a really gorgeous movie and really well done and a really, uh, really crazy for uh, how good it is for a directorial debut yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Colin Firth was nominated for an Oscar for it, and I mm-hmm. think both him and Julianne were nominated for Globes. Nice, yeah, kind of iconic. I also, Peyton, what you were saying about the way that queer people used to have to communicate like so secretly. Mm-hmm. This is, I feel like, why so many queer things are period pieces is because being Ooh. gay was so much sexier when it was illegal. <laughs> like literally, like when when no one was allowed to be gay before we before we normalized that we should have never normalized that it. it was so hot. <laughs> It was so fucking hot. It was so fucking hot. Like just like looking at someone across the bar and you have to like wink twice and pull your ear and then you fucking fuck an alley. Yes. Like we, you just don't do it like that anymore. I talk about that don't. all the all the time on here. Because I love everyone's like he loves stop period making pieces. period lesbian pieces. We don't want them. Never. And I'm like, I fucking want them. I, I want, want them every bitch. time. Yeah, <laughs> They're I so want them. hot. And I'm always I have I was a tweet like, I want sitting them in pulling my up all their pantaloons and, and yeah. I mean, it's literally like modern, <laughs> modern queer stuff is so fucking like, uh, progressive and open, but like, it's so much sexier to me when, yeah, like an, an like a period piece gay person. And, and one of them's like, well, you're, you're quite unusual. And the other one's like, no more unusual than you. And then they like, <laughs> they like hold each other. They like grab each other's hand. Like I cannot, like, that is what I always think of is like a line that's like, you're, you're rather strange, no stranger than you. And they're like acknowledging each other. And then they like, they like fucking like a broom closet. It's insane. Yes. This is a SNL on, sketch from last week. It, I was like, Oh, I haven't watched it. it. It's about lesbian period dramas, but even I found that hot. I found that hot. <laughs> even, the, even the parody Deb was like, yeah, oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Why is it? Deb was uh, Deb. Okay, let's just be honest. Deb got off to SNL last week. Okay, yeah. That's what Deb got off to nothing SNL. Nothing hurts more than SNL making me aroused. <laughs> nothing hurts my pride oh, more. God, you don't have to tell me about it. <laughs> it, it being being turned on by comedy is something I do so often because so many. So many hot people are in comedy now. It's crazy. Comedy yeah. used to be for the uglies and the weirdos, and now it's for fucking <laughs> photo shoot comedians. These fucking models, dude. Ugh. Anyway, I love hot yeah, people. Yeah, when did hot people ally. when did hot people decide that they were gonna be funny, that they were allowed? I don't know. I feel like it was an evolutionary <laughs> thing. It was like the development of opposable thumbs. It's like <laughs> they've gotten way too strong. And we need to we need to do some kind of you know how you know how West Virginia is giving people like twelve thousand dollars to move there and be a coder right now? Like West Virginia is doing this thing where they're like, We will pay what? you twelve thousand dollars and give you a co working space if you will move here and be uh wow. a web developer. I wish I could code. I'm want to do the same thing in LA, but with ugly people. I'm like, the government should give you twelve thousand dollars if you will move here and be a six. Yeah. It's so desperately needed. Oh, I love it. Um, all right, so you, so um, we usually rate our movies on two scales. Uh, one is the Vita Russo test, which is one we did not come up with um, that uh, analyzes queer films or queer representation in film. Um, and it follows three rules. One is that the film has to have queer identifying characters. 
um, two, that the queer characters have to have personality traits other than being queer. And three is that uh, removing the, the queer characters from the film would change the plot significantly. I would say this film passes all three with flying colors. Um, and then the second uh, scale we use is uh, from zero to six. Um, and it's just sort of um, zero is is very poor and six is perfect. Um, and yeah, I usually base mine off of how I feel the film represented queer people and also my own personal uh, feelings towards the film. I would give, I think for me personally, I would give this film a six. Um, maybe I would give it a five just because there, there weren't any queer actors playing queer characters, which is kind of a sticking point for me now. But, um, but other than that, it's directed by a queer person. I don't, I don't, I didn't feel that there was any um, misrepresentations. I felt everything had a genuine human connection to reality. Um, and I just really enjoyed the film. I thought it was really beautiful and well done. Aw, Peyton. <laughs> Great review. I would give it a five. I feel like yeah. um, uh, it's a movie that I like and we'll talk about if, if you know, if someone's like, what do you know about Colin Firth? <laughs> I, would be, I would be like, well, let me tell you, I know this movie. But oh, I well, I'll be telling you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wait, first, sorry to interrupt you, but... Um, uh, when is that Stanley Tucci Colin Firth movie it's out. coming out? It's out. It's out. It's out. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it? it. I've seen it. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. I. I bet this is so. Literally, you guys. I begged people for a screener of this. I texted yes. everyone I fucking know in capital H Hollywood and was like, "Get me a screener." No one could, <laughs> so I had to wait and pay twenty two dollars for it on some service that I can't even remember. <laughs> it, it, it was. Um, not that good. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it was not that good. I don't know if it's because I built it up for so long, yeah, or if it's because the trailer <laughs> truly tells you everything. But it was, it felt like it to me. And maybe it was just you know. Also, a lot of that stuff <clears throat> can be boiled down to like the the mood you're in or who you're with or how you watch it. But I just felt like when I watched it, I I really wanted to feel impacted by it, and it felt like it was it was reaching way too hard to move me it felt like it was trying to be um an awards contender it just felt mm. like it just felt like a little much i liked it i would watch it again but i didn't it, i wouldn't put it in my like holy shit movies category which is where i kind of thought it was gonna go you know mm-hmm. i liked it Thank it was you. enjoyable yeah okay but you guys when you watch it please please both of you text me and tell me what you think of it because i and um listeners all of you guys as podcast fans can reach out reach out as well hit me up when you guys (laughs) watch it and tell me what you guys think because i'm i'm open to being challenged on it Um, but yes i'm so sorry for interrupting your review go ahead um literally if you ever apologize to me again i'll freak the fuck out um I give it a five. I think it's a good movie. I like it. Um, I had a good time watching it and I thought it was really well done and it had some, it, uh, it, it made me think a lot. Like I, 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 a lot of movies don't leave that, that one piece of the, like, I think it's the end of meme. Like they don't leave that one piece of a, an equation out for me to do the math myself. And this one did a lot. Like the guy with the gas station, you're like, is he gay? What's going on here? Um, <laughs> uh, the, the suicide prep, all of it. Like it, mm-hmm. 
it left a lot of things for you to be like, I think this is what's happening, which I think is beautiful. That's my review. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really torn between between five and six. So I'm going to go with five and a half or 5.5. Oh, um, amazing. I love it. Yeah, because it was, it was a beautiful movie. Like it was a beautiful film. It was beautiful in every way. It felt honest. For for it being a movie by made by Tom Ford, I would expect it to be a little bit more blatantly campy or like more um <laughs> not, not not that that's a bad thing, but just like in a way that you actually just mentioned about the other movie. Like this is made to be an Oscar contender. This is made because I want to make a movie and I'm Tom Ford and I can. Like it felt like for for this being his first film, it was a pretty honest story to tell. And a surprisingly moving one. Um, so I'm going to give it a 5.5. And I actually really don't really know why I'm in between. I could uh. just picked six. Maybe it's also because I felt really deeply um, sad after I watched it, yeah. which that shouldn't <laughs> really have anything to do with my rating. But fuck. it's okay that it does. But it oh, did make me it sad. Once. And then you, you think you put yourself in that situation and you're mm-hmm. like, what if this happened to me? And then you just get really sad and it takes over your whole day because not much <sighs> else is going on right now. <laughs> also, <laughs> you know also, what I mean? also quick after note, it, the, the scene, even when I watched it the first time, the scene when he's um, reading a book in the little nook with his um with yeah. his lover and they're listening to records. I was, that's just like been couple goals, goals for me for like ever, ever since I saw that scene. It's just so time. beautiful. It's so sweet. Um, uh, Caleb, anything that you want to plug, anything that you have coming up or just plugging social media? Oh, you guys can find me online. Um, if, if you dare, <laughs> you, can, you can find me on social media at Caleb says things. Um, please, if you guys like podcasts, please go listen to mine. I have a podcast on Headgum with Shelby Wolstein called keeping records. And we're talking about the Voyager records that NASA sent into space in the seventies and then asking people their favorite things in life, basically. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, um, <laughs> the only other thing I would say is be kind to one another. Uh, <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres. Like Thank Ellen, you guys. What if I did start doing that? Like every, every like, podcast or thing I did, I was like, and be kind to one another. <laughs> I'm going to take it from her. She's not fucking using it. Yeah, no, no. take it back. Take it. Take it back. She doesn't That's deserve so it. Funny. And I'm fully kidding, by the way. Don't be kind to each other. I mean, be <laughs> horrible to each other. Be hor- as long as it's funny. As long as it's funny. <laughs> Just like we were saying at the beginning, because we love when people are mean to each other for comedy. Yeah, exactly. Be mean to each other and make sure that it's really mean so that people really laugh. <laughs> You can follow uh, Queer Movie Night on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow me at Peyton Cody Lynch on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me, Deborah Duncan, on Twitter, Deborah D-Bag on Instagram. And I'm going to plug something. It's been a (gasps) while since I plugged something. Um, I'm going to (laughs) plug my wife and I's band, The Q's Music, on Instagram. Uh, We, during COVID, during quarantine, I'm not sure when this episode is going to air, but... We wrote our first album, recorded it, and it's done. And we're very excited because, holy shit, it turned out so much better than we ever thought it would. And we're very excited about it. Um, so we will be releasing that in the next couple weeks. Going to press oh, some on wait. vinyl. Yeah. Oh, I Going to go for the whole kit and caboodle. It's a narrative story about our, our story. 
which is a tumultuous one. And people have asked us to write a book or stuff for like a long time and it never worked. And then finally Chase Lilly is one of our best friends. He's an improviser, but he's also amazing at producing music, which we didn't know. And we were all not doing anything all year. So we're like, let's do this little passion project. Let's make an album together. And it ended up being becoming this beautiful monster. It was supposed to be a five song EP. We wrote nine songs. It's a full blown album. And it's, uh, I'm really excited about it. So oh we God. just got the I'm masters this week and we just played the whole album for like our band for the first oh. time last week. Our whole band is just all of our friends who are also amazing musicians. And I'm really excited. So we're going to roll, start rolling it out in the next, um, and the next like probably two weeks and start the announcements on the Q's music. It's at the Q's music on Instagram. Oh my God. I'm obsessed. I love that. I can't wait to hear it. I'm a stan yes. and always have been. That was a long it. spiel, but I loved but it. I loved necessary. every minute of it. Like something. Necessary. <laughs> oh my God. Um, be sure to like, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks with more episodes, more movies, more guests, hopefully. Uh, thank you again so much, Caleb, for doing this. This was so much fun. We love you. I love you guys. Yes, thank you for having thank me. Thank you. Uh, Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, wait, can we do three part harmony? Thank you. Thank you. And let's actually not. People can be on the same note. It's okay. And let's actually not acknowledge that I do not know how to harmonize, babe. <laughs> I am absolutely not qualified. You're um, <laughs> also, I feel like a good singer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Horrible. There it is. Oh, my That's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.